Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Acts chapter 11. You may turn there in your Bibles. It is also printed in our worship folder for tonight. This year certainly has been a year of extremes for us. Uh, we worshipped when it was uh, very hot, and I almost felt like taking my jacket off. Now I'm glad I have it on. <laughs> Although I, I just have to remind myself, we got a picture from our daughter Rebecca this afternoon. She snuffled, shoveled snow this afternoon. So while it is chilly, I grant that, uh, she had to shovel snow uh, to get out. So. Tonight we look at Acts chapter 11. We'll be reading the uh, 30 verses of this chapter. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying. I saw in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and said, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them, as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, 
full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, disciples were first called Christians. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, as I read that story, if that sounded somewhat familiar to you, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, tonight, in this first half of this chapter, it recounts the same incidents that we looked at last time in Acts chapter 14, that the, uh, chapter 10, that the gospel came even to the Gentiles. And that was such a significant event that is recorded for us multiple times in Scripture. You see, when we want to make something um, seem very important in our writing, we can use bold type, we can use underlines, we can use 18-point type to highlight this is really important. When the writers of Scripture wanted to highlight something is really important, they would repeat it again and sometimes again. This is the real significant story, and it's told various times that the Holy Spirit fell even on the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit himself, who inspired Scripture, found it necessary and helpful to record this story twice for us, even on the Gentiles. And so we, too, look at it once again as it prepares us for the second half of the chapter. We see in Acts chapter 11 the growth of the church as now the Gentiles will be brought in. But not everyone was pleased with the growth of the church. Not everyone was pleased that the Gentiles were being brought in. And so it, it, it raises the question in our own minds. Um, we pray, I trust you pray, pray, that God would grow our church. But as he answers that prayer, are we pleased when he does that? The stories we have tonight, really two different stories. One, the vision of Peter. The second one about Barnabas going to Antioch. And they, they leave us with a contrast. A contrast in which people looked at the growth of the Christian church. So we look at that contrast tonight. As we begin, we see that Peter is somewhat being called to account for what he had done. Verse, verse, verse 1, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. And that occasions then the reason for Peter to tell the story once again. 
He tells the story, kids, of that great big sheet that came down from heaven and all those animals inside that sheet. He tells the story of how he heard that voice, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter says, oh no, oh no, I can't do that. There are unclean animals here. By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And then, then that beautiful heart of the story, what God has made clean, do not call common. What God has made clean, do not call common. And this vision comes to Peter three different times to confirm it actually was what he saw. There's a change that's going to be going on as the church will begin to grow. There will be a, a letting go of the ceremonial laws as the gospel expands. Letting go of those external requirements. And so we read that in verse 11, and behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which they were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. They were criticizing him because he wasn't making distinctions. He's saying, the Spirit told me this, to go with them and make no distinction. He is going at the Spirit's direction. He recounts how God gave him a vision. Then he recounts how Cornelius also had a vision. Verse 13, and he told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and said, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So Peter tells them, look, I not only got a vision, but this Gentile, Cornelius, he also had a vision. There is a, a double confirmation that God is at work here. Not only does the Jew receive a vision, the Gentile receives a vision. That the word of salvation was coming to this man and to his household. As so we read in verse 15, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning, even on the Gentiles. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit falls even on the Gentiles. We talked about last time how Pentecost was still a Jewish event. There were Jews there at Pentecost. It was a Jewish event. We saw how the spread of the gospel to Samaria, that amazing uh, advancement, still was primarily a Jewish event. Here, we have the gospel and the spirit falling upon the nations. Verse 17. If then God gave the same spirit to them as he gave to us when we believed in Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? The same spirit, the same blessing. Who was I, says Peter, that I would stand in the way of the work of God as he grows his church? The distinctions are being broken down. You recall we talked about, it's been a couple of weeks ago, how there was this group of people um, who were called God-fearers. They, they, they followed uh, Jesus Christ, but, but would, uh, they followed the Jewish tr tradition, but would not go all the way with all the ceremonial laws. Peter's teaching 
through the Holy Spirit. We don't think of them as second-class citizens. The ceremonial law is falling away. The distinctions are being broken down. And as that happened, initially, initially, that made the Jews very uncomfortable. They were not happy about this type of growth in their church. They were calling Peter to account. They were criticizing him because he failed to make distinctions. God is teaching them in the church, in his people on whom the Holy Spirit has fallen, those distinctions have fallen away. God continues to grow his church today. He continues to grow this church. And that is a blessing. And that is something wonderful. But it can also at times make us a little uncomfortable. God brings whom he has chosen into our midst. And perhaps they come to us from, I'm just going to put it this way, from a different background, not where most of us come from. And that can make us uncomfortable. Those who come in and don't know our traditions, they don't know what a Psalter hymnal is, that will just mean anything to him. They don't know what all the abbreviations in the bulletin mean, that might make them you know, kind of feel out of it. They don't know what a Queen Wilhelmina peppermint is or when to take it. They don't know our traditions. Now we hope. We hope our traditions are biblical. But there are some things we do, we have to admit, just because we do them that way. And it's important for us to be able to rightly distinguish between that which is biblical and that which is simply traditional. And when people come in with a little different tradition, that is okay. In fact, it is a blessing because it shows us God is at work advancing his church. The gospel is going to the nations. The gospel is going to all of God's people whom he has called. And we would have to echo the words of Peter, who would we be to stand? in God's way. He will bring in whom he has chosen. Thankfully, thankfully, once they hear this message, read verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent and then they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. As they were instructed as to what God was doing, this is God's work. It is him growing his church. It is him bringing the nations in. They realized it was not a matter of the ceremonial law. It was not a matter of uh, those who had to know their traditions. But they fell silent and then gave glory to God. They began criticizing Having heard the instruction, they end giving glory. This story is given to us once again to somewhat set up a contrast with the second half of this chapter. chapter first half of the chapter is about those criticizing because the church was growing. In contrast with that, 
we have the second half of the chapter and the work of Barnabas. Verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Remember back in chapter 8, we read of following the stoning of Stephen, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. In chapter 8, verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. We talked about at that point how persecution led to the spread of the gospel. Persecution led to the advancement of the Christian church. Now we read, once again, they were scattered because of that persecution, and they preached the word, but still, to no one except the Jews. Those who went out still had those cultural blinders on. They would bring the gospel, but they would bring it to the Jews only. Then we read verse 20, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, to the Gentiles, spoke to the Gentiles also, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And God would use that preaching of the word by his grace to continue to expand his church. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. God would bring the preaching of the gospel, not only to the Jews, but now also to the Gentiles, even to the Gentiles, and God would bring them in. As this happened, the report of this came to the ears of those in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. They sent Barnabas to come down. And how does he respond to this advancement in the church, to this, to this spread of the gospel? When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. In contrast with those of the circumcision party who criticized, Barnabas comes, and he is glad as he sees this expanse of the church, not only for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. And he encourages them. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. He urged them to remain faithful to the Lord. Not, first of all, faithful to the ceremony, not faithful to the tradition, but faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that message of the gospel, that message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, the call to repent and believe, and many came to the church. The church continued to grow, and that is how the church grows, through the message of the gospel. Through the message of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and by God's grace, that message takes root in the Holy Spirit, gives us faith, we might embrace this glorious truth. So that call goes out again tonight. The call tonight is not um, learn the traditions of our church, and you'll be able to come in. The call is not learn what ceremonies we have. The call of the gospel is repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone 
as Savior and as Lord and know that that God now is your God. And by the preaching of that gospel, God will continue to grow His church. Many will come to believe in the Lord. So, as they come to the Lord, Barnabas goes down to Tarsus. And he looks for Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. Saul is, is brought to bring more instruction in the faith. Patient growth as God grows his church. And they are taught the truths of the faith. God's church... God's church is a united church. It is one church. It is not, first of all, a Jewish church versus a Gentile church. It is not a Dutch church. It's not an American church. God's church is not, first of all, an upper middle class church. It is a Christian church focused around Christ and what he has done. God's church is not, first of all, a Republican church or a Democratic church. And perhaps we have to remember that at this time of year. We can have good discussions about our political positions, but that, that is not what the church is about. The church is about the Lord Jesus Christ and God's grace to bring us and to bring others in. What happens in that type of church where it is centered upon Jesus? We read at the end of verse 26, And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, there's very likely that was actually sort of a derogatory term to them. But what I found interesting, they were called Christians. They were not first called Jesuits followers of Jesus. They were called Christians, followers of Christ. Because Christ speaks of his office. Christ speaks of his anointing and his calling to serve. Jesus Christ was anointed as our prophet and priest and king. His service for our blessing. And we know from the, Lord's, from the Lord's day in the Pilgrim Catechism that we share in that anointing. We share in that prophetic call to declare Jesus Christ. We share in that priestly call to serve others, to offer ourselves. We share in that kingly call to reign with him. We focus on, on his task, on his office, on his anointing. They were called Christians, called to act on the truth that they knew, the truth that they embraced. And we have an example of that right away at the end of the story. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit there would be a great famine over all the world. So the disciples determined, according to their ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. They wanted to serve. They were ready to act on their faith. And this prophet comes and he warns of this famine that would come. And even before that famine took place, they determined they would take an offering. An offering for those living 
in Judea. Not the Gentiles, first of all. The Gentiles taking an offering for the Jewish church. The boundaries, the distinctions were breaking down. They were ready to serve. Serve those who were in need, in spite of what their nationality, their ethnic background might be. The, Jew, the Gentile church taking an offering for the brothers living in Judea. They did that according to their own ability. They did it according to how God had blessed them. And, and, and that's a wonderful thing. We give, we serve others according to how God has blessed us. And when I think about, about our church and all the blessings we have received from God, we have been abundantly blessed. We have many Bible studies. We have many programs going on. We have many great opportunities to bring others in, to serve others. And sometimes I think we're so hesitant to bring them, to bring them to church, to bring them to Bible study, to bring them to cadets or gems, wherever it might be. We've been given great blessings from God. And with those blessings come great responsibilities to others in our federation of churches, to others in other congregations, to others outside the church in our community. And as God gives us opportunity, as God gives us ability. We are ready to share with those around us. The Gentile church sends help to Judea. They wanted to serve, they wanted to help because they all belong together. God would grow his church. He would grow them numerically, but he would grow them together as a body. God continues that today. He continues to grow his church. And, and sometimes that may make us uncomfortable with those God chooses to bring in. But who are we to stand in the way of God? God brings him those whom he calls, whom he chooses. We must be ready to embrace and to welcome all who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They have received the same grace that we have received. They have embraced the same gospel we have received. That as one body, as one church, we might be prepared to serve. Serve others inside the church. Serve those outside the church glorious gospel of Jesus Christ might continue to for, go forth, and God will continue to grow his church, Jew and Gentile alike, for his honor and for his glory. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do confess that your church is a worldwide church. It surrounds the globe. It is so easy for us, Lord God, to become myopic in our vision. We see such a narrow slice. It's so easy for us to focus on, on those who are similar to us. But your church is not built on those type of similarities. Our commonness is found in the gospel. May that truth live among us. Lord God, make our, our hearts open to receive whomever you would bring into our fellowship. We would not, by our words or by our actions, stand in your way. We see your grace active and moving our lives. Oh, Lord God, this is our prayer. You would grow your church numerically, that you would grow your church spiritually, that you would grow your church in unity, that all glory may be brought to you for your wonderful work. Hear our prayer, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.